Welcome to track 17, Bolt Up. This is, I'm sorry, track 18. Oh Bolt my God, up. We're losing count over. here, but <laughs> we're getting close to that episode 20. We got through 20 episodes before we moved to, uh, to Spotify and we redid the count with the relaunch. Um, but we are back. I'm your host, The Rook, and I'm joined by the medical guy. And we are here for some week seven analysis and week six recap. We got, of course, the two-minute drill, uh, the Rooks looks, records of the week, power rankings towards the end. The Rooks looks should be interesting this week. Uh, <laughs> you'll yeah. see. But, uh, yeah, we want to start it off per usual with our Shatter the Script segment uh, brought to you by Shady McCoy on Speak. <laughs> oh, we all, this, this is the show we always pick on for the most part, so. Uh, but this is Shady McCoy talking about Jalen Hurts throwing three interceptions in week six versus the Jets. Oh, yeah, listen, Jalen Hurts, he played bad. Had a bad game. Three turnovers or three picks. That's that's a that's a career high for him. Now you've described games like this differently for other quarterbacks. Oh. You haven't used the words like that. <laughs> you've used other words, other type of vernacular, well, different type of word, that, vernacular. Sure. Well, macho. Wondering <laughs> why now it's bad. Used another three-letter word previously, uh, but yeah. now we're just yeah. using. Bad. Well, clarify well, that, and I, and I will for you. This is a great question. Thank you, sir. <laughs> the, the thing is, in, in this league, you get judged on how you play, yeah. mm-hmm. how you keep playing, mm-hmm. how you keep playing. Yes, sir. If you have a, a, a bad game, I, I've been there. I've done that. Of course. You, you, play, you had a bad game? Of course. No, many of them. Okay, so I understand that. So, yes, Jalen Hurts, did he play well? No, he did not. Yeah. He didn't do well. He didn't play enough to win. He played bad. He lost us the game. Let's just go farther and say that. Yes. Now, one thing about Jalen Hurts is well, he's shown all of us. He always gets better. He always improves. You think he's not in a, in his house or in the locker room? Thinking about how can he make this thing better? Mm-hmm. Can, but can we get a Jets some credit, though? Because they, 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 made, they made Patrick Mahomes struggle. Yep. And Josh Allen. Well, I mean, every time he played him, it seemed like he's struggling. So no. we got to give him some credit. But remember that Prescott against the Jets defense Ooh, don't did do not it. struggle. I'm just having to read the objective <laughs> yeah. facts because if I'm yeah. a Cowboys fan yeah. watching this, yeah. the Jets defense like is us. great. I know yeah. Cowboys fans. I can yeah. hear the echo of Dave no Elby I got some for Cowboys fans. Ear. No they have questions. Not even no a question. That would be the retort. Man, that, I think, you know, they were talking about that Chargers fan being uh, an implant, but I think Joy <laughs> Taylor might be an implant. Uh, she is out to get Dak Prescott. But obviously, yeah. um, dude, the – he he started off saying, but Jalen Hurts does progress over time. The one thing that the analysts called out in previous pods is that with all the coordinator changes in a new year and a sophomore, not or I guess a Super Bowl hangover is what they refer to it as, we're seeing a regression because I think they're escaping their identity. Um, but yeah, I mean, to to Shady's point, we do see you know him constantly improving each year, which is what a quarterback should do for a, as a young quarterback. Uh, but you know, I want to touch on the Jets part because he's, he got a hand in the Jets. That that quote itself sets me off because you know of the obvious. And I'll let you hit the points about the Jets because I don't want to steal that from you because I know that's probably what you're thinking here is what the hell is he talking about? Dak torch. Well, he was very efficient against the Jets, but I would call it torch if you're talking about a QB masterclass. But yeah. I mean, I mean, you kind of hit it right there, but it just kind of goes to show the whole uh, theme of what we're talking about, sh- shattering the script, right? You know, the, the uh, goalposts, per se, always get moved and switched when we're talking about 
the Cowboys and or Dak, right? You know, Josh Allen didn't do this against the Jets. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had a hard time to do it, blah, blah, blah. But right. we, we quickly failed to mention that, you know, Dak, you say shred, not shred, whatever, did his job. They won the game. The offense had no trouble moving the ball, right? And so it just goes back to, to what we're talking about is like, how the narrative just gets just gets pushed towards a certain direction and just gets put pushed in a different, I guess, a different theme when talking about one team and then talking about the Cowboys, right? Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts, right? You know, shattering the script of like, hey, he's someone that needs to throw it a lot. It's kind of like it's kind of like the analyst said, like the last couple of games or especially this season. What's he done more of? Throw the ball. Right. What's what is we seen that has increased with him? Interceptions, bad passes, games that are not as close or that are closer than what maybe they should would have been last year or should have been this year. And so I just think it's crazy how the the philosophical goalposts get moved when talking about one quarterback. Uh, in contrary to the other quarterback. And it's just, it, it does get frustrating as a Cowboys fan. Um, and I can't imagine it's not frustrating being the fourth guest on that show right there because you know what your stance has to be. Like, exactly. everybody else is against the Cowboys and Dak. And then it's like, well, I got to put out a couple of facts here. But I mean, it gets turned away with, you know, just, you know, Minimal screen time. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. You know, you get shoved back at Fox on a podcast, <laughs> Dave Hellman. Like, <laughs> like, exactly exactly it's just crazy but but what are what are your thoughts on it i know i touched a little bit on the jets but but what are your thoughts on on that whole i just uh, well, excerpt from all of them right there i find it i find it strange that emmanuel acho keeps finding him in weird situations where he's sticking his neck out for cowboys fans when all last year he ridiculed and made fun of us all year that's been his mantra i mean he got practically famous well he tried to pull a Stephen A, you know, the last two years with clowning the Cowboys and he got called out for it. And then he had an uncomfortable conversation with a black man to explain his actions. But, you know, I don't know. Like you said, you stick the guy at the end of the table. He's like the Judas of the group. You know, he's going to, but the alternative scenario here is, is he's going to be spitting facts, but you know, only Cowboys fans are going to turn to him and listen. The rest of the sheep, if you will, are listening to Shady call him ass, and that's all they hear. And then yeah. they listen to Acho and hear him say words like vernacular and go, what the hell does that have to do with football? He's a clown. Yeah. They're not listening to what he's saying. So I don't understand why Acho is sticking his neck out for the Cowboys. As Personally, I don't need him. We don't need him or Skip Bayless to defend us. Jesus. But LaShawn McCoy would not have brought that up, and the show would not have brought that up if not for Manuel Acho. So I got to give credit for where credit's due, even when it is part of the script. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on it. But, yeah, you hit hit it on the nails with the Jets analysis. I mean, that's oh clown act. But, all right. Well, let's get into a little bit of October baseball. We got the let's Lone go. Star Series in the ALCS with the, uh, the Rangers and the Astros. We started off with two-game – Two games at uh at, in Houston, and then the Rangers surprisingly took both at home. And you had the 2-0 victory the first game. Uh, we had Jordan Montgomery versus Justin Verlander, uh, followed by 
um, Nathan Eovaldi and Framber Valdez. And so I don't know. This this is a little and I get it. I'm gonna bring it up a little bit at the the records of the week towards the end of the podcast, like the stat that I have in my head, but it's very <laughs> odd to me what's going on in this series is the one thing that the Rangers were so and the MLB was so collectively scared of was the Rangers bullpen. And outside of Aroldis Chapman, you know, which I predicted this when we covered this, I think in July, I don't even remember, a long time ago where I said at the time of the Aroldis Chapman trade, it might have been on record, it might have been off, but I said that Chapman was going, we're going to lose in the ALCS because we have Chapman now. And I said (laughs) to the Astros, and I, or I said, if the Astros were in it, we would lose. So I'm like, we're here now. And the two times Chapman has come in, he's given a nuke to Alvarez, and he's given <laughs> almost a nuke to Bregman. I believe yeah. it was Bregman. And yeah. then uh, Evan Carter made that amazing play in game one. But the bullpen has done its job, which is shocking. The only thing for the Astros is, I mean, I'm sure you have a lot to say about you know their offense and maybe their starting pitching. Well, I'll let you give your thoughts on the Astros, but I'm man, I'm loving the the Rangers bullpen right now. I think their bats get heat up a little bit more. They start hot and then just peter off. Uh, so hopefully they can get their bats a little hot in this home stretch. But yeah, uh, well, first I want to say props to the Rangers. I mean, this is a team full of guys outside of what two people uh, that have really never been in the playoffs, and so props to them. Props to Jordan Montgomery. Uh, he threw a gym. Uh, the first game, and I'm I'm gonna try not to throw any stats and numbers out there because m- there's two stats that I have at the end for our records, and one of them's definitely yours. Um, so I'm gonna try not to throw them out there. However, props to the Rangers. Like you said, the biggest thing that they're worried about is their bullpen. Okay, um, and I'm trying not to use a stat, but it's shown that when their starters reach a certain amount of innings, that they're almost unbeatable, and that just shows, and you could look at it, you know, 30 other teams in MLB. And if your starters go out there and do well, you set yourself up good. And so that's where the Rangers have done a good job of kind of hiding their quote unquote weakness is your bullpen guys aren't having the pitch in the fifth inning or the right. sixth inning. They're normally coming in with clean innings, you know, nobody on base. You know, even if you are facing that Alvarez, you're facing them with nobody on base or even Bregman for that matter. You know, you kind of got away with one there, but, you know, bases aren't loaded. You know, you're not having it. That's not happening in the fifth or sixth inning. It's happening in the seventh or eighth. Um, But just kind of my notes on the Astros, uh, both game one and game two were very uh, well-pitched games outside of Fromber Valdez. And if anything, uh, you know, Fromber makes a play and doesn't throw a ball into section 117 over there, like that could be a totally different game. Um, that's probably the, there, there's two, really three things that I was just disappointed in, um, is, you know, the Astros are known for being, uh, great contact hitters. They don't strike out a lot. Um, but they're also very patient and I think they've kind of gotten away from that really bad. I know we've talked kind of off the, the pod and whatnot about like, Hey, you know, we know what the, the Rangers weakness is, you know, even if we're not necessarily just hitting the ball over the park or scoring a bunch of runs. If we're forcing these starters to get, you know, high inning or high pitch innings and stuff like that, 
and they're, you know, getting into the fifth or sixth inning with high pitch counts, well, then you kind of expose their weakness. And I think the Astros have kind of gotten away from that a little bit. Um, you know, you see people like Bregman, who's had multiple seasons with 100, 100 walks. And, right. you know, three or four at-bats this, this series have been first pitch, boom, flyouts. And it's like that's very uncharacteristic. Um, the other one is Kyle Tucker has been an absolute no-show in this series, and I've said it from the start of the playoffs. It's like he's got to be the difference maker in this because, uh, you know, Altuve – Regardless if he hits or not, everybody's scared of him. Bregman's always a great hitter. Alvarez is probably the hottest hitter on the planet right now. Pause. Um, and then you have Kyle Tucker, who normally hits right behind him. And so you've got to at least somehow strike a little bit of fear. And right now he looks lost at the plate, and he's got to turn it around. Um, and then the Astros are one for nine with runners in scoring position. And that one hit that they had didn't score a run. And so they just got to be better. I know last game was, I mean, it was just the biggest eye-opening thing or two eye-opening things were Fromber having a very bad first inning and then the Astros having multiple chances to score runs with runners in score, uh, scoring position, especially with with uh, less than two outs. And so I just think that's where they're going to have to change it up. Um, fortunately, they seem to – Love to play in other people's ballparks, so we'll see if we'll turn it around. I'll actually be there for this game, so maybe I'll bring a little bit of luck or whatever. Uh, yeah, there we go. Um, and then the last point I have is I think I really don't agree with the decision for, for Max Scherzer to start this game. Um, I don't either. He's had minimal rehab stuff. He's already had a shoulder injury. He's an older guy. I get it. He's got a lot of. Uh, a lot of expertise and a lot of uh, experience in this position. However, in the past, he hasn't been very good in the playoffs. And so I think just rushing him back is just something that, especially with a 2-0 lead right now, I just don't think it's very smart. Um, and especially if that sets that bullpen up for a bad position. Because say, and this is all hypothetical, say you get into it and he has a short outing, right? right. When I say short outing, I'm not expecting him to go more than four innings. So if he goes less than four innings, all of a sudden your weakness is out there. And if that weakness gets exposed and you got to play three games in a row with a tax bullpen, well, that I think that could set up something bad for the series, especially when you got other starters that have kind of been doing their job and whatnot. Um, yeah. But those are kind of my points on there. What What's your biggest takeaways? What's your notes and stuff you got for the Rangers and or the Astros? Yeah. And I'll touch on Scherzer in a little bit because you, you brought that point up and I wanted to, to comment on that because obviously the game's on Wednesday, but I, the the starting pitching and I I know the stat that you're talking about, but you know Jordan Montgomery, absolutely phenomenal. He's been locating his pitches, getting ahead of the count, um, and then of course in the second game was what really caught my eye because Eovaldi, you know he's been a dog all postseason, but he oh, got yeah. caught in some very difficult positions in this game too, specifically when the bases were loaded with zero outs. And I'm watching yeah. it on my way home from work, you know, which obviously I work in, you know, the in Houston area. So everybody in there hates my guts. So <laughs> anyway, it was kind of fun trolling them on the Jonah Heim home run and all that before I left. But anyway, I was sitting there in the car looking at it, you know, trying not to, you know, watch the road or whatever. Anyway, strikeout number one strikeout number two and then ground out great play by josh young you know to end the inning boy that'll fire up a team that yeah. i mean 
that'll send you another three innings of momentum. You just getting out of that scenario and, you know, props to, and they were jinxing them too. You know, I heard a lot of that. The one thing ESPN does, man, I was listening. Uh-huh. I, I had, I had switched to their uh, broadcast or whatever. Cause we hit our screen limit on YouTube. I guess everybody was watching it, but yeah. anyway, I always thought like, I always think about how baseball commentary, there's so much dead space in between pitches, even with the pitch clock. So they're just throwing stats out there oh, yeah. throughout the entire game on both the Astros and the Rangers. And during this, you know, Nathan Eovaldi was the AL's best pitcher with running to score in position with zero outs in the bases loaded. I'm like, it's about to explode. About <laughs> what to explode. a stat. <laughs> but the one thing the Rangers can't do going into this home stretch for them in Arlington is once they get a lead, they can't just be satisfied with the runs that they've got. They got to get their offense to continue to pile on because the two games, we honestly, we've escaped two games because both those games were less than two or two or less runs closing out the ball game. Yeah. And I believe did did the clerk face I forget. Did he face Altuve last in game two yeah. or did he make it to okay. Yeah. We were man, we were close to avoiding yeah. a, a walk off by Alvarez. Yeah. That's what I'll say. But leading into game three, you know, with Scherzer I totally agree. I, I've been telling my coworkers I don't I don't know how long he's gonna go for because I don't know how healthy he is. I don't know. I know he's been pitching like seventy pitch bullpens, feeling fine. Um, I don't imagine him going more than five innings. But also, why would you start a pitcher that doesn't go more than five innings to put your bullpen in a you know inefficient scenario when you can wait to maybe game six or seven when you're out of arms if it goes to that long, you know. Uh, which I imagine it will, and have a pitch a full game there or just be a bullpen guy. Uh, yeah. So, like, if Chapman screws it up, those <laughs> stars are in there. And um, so, yeah, it's it'll be an interesting home stretch. I mean, the Rangers are the best AL uh, team at home, and the Astros are phenomenal away. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we will see what happens. I think it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, it's going to be – the other interesting thing is, yeah, the Rangers did the same thing with – another pitcher on y'all's team earlier in the season, Evaldi, right? They brought him back from a forearm strain early, and his first three or four starts coming off that were awful. Yeah, Awful. And then he obviously – you get back into it. You start throwing longer games, longer outings, and you get back into it. And I just don't want to see – I mean, to see the Astros win, I would want to see it. But to see someone great like Scherzer go out there and, and, you know, he's he's a little older – you never know when his last pitch is going to be or his last start. I'd hate for him to do it like that. I mean, I know you want to hurry up and everything like that, but it would just be really tough to see him go out there and struggle when it could have been avoided. And like I said, if it was, if I were cheering for the Rangers, I wouldn't want to see this just because you know what your weak spot is. If he goes out there and gives you a short stint, well then obviously automatically you're put, you're put in a, in an interesting position and, you know, uh, no offense, but the Rangers don't want to get in a bullpen battle with the Astros because the no. Astros bullpen looked the last Phenomenal. two games looks stupid. Like, I mean, Phenomenal. I mean, Montero threw a scoreless inning. Like, I don't, he hasn't done that in a month. So, like, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just, I, I, it's just exposing yourself to something that you don't need to be exposed to right now. And I, I, I don't know if I would agree with that decision, but I'm not going to show. <laughs> Whatever gets the most ratings, which three yeah. in a, three wins in a, three wins in a row for the Astros would be pretty good ratings. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into some NFL recap week six. All there right. Um, obviously, this is highlights and prediction. Or I'm sorry, recap from the previous week. I'm going to start it off with the Saints versus Texans. So 20 to 13, Texans take the dub. I mean, Stroud threw his first interception um, this game. And, <laughs> you know, nobody said a word. Not that they should because he's having a phenomenal rookie year. But it was going to happen at some point, And I hate that it that it even happened for the guy. But yeah, That's um, the best interception I've seen anybody throw, right? Because he right. threw it and got the ball right back. So. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, I think like what you just mentioned, the defense, I think, carried this ball game heavily for the Texans. Uh, they weren't able to get too much going on the ground. Uh, I always keep saying that the Texans run game needs some improvement, even though Devin Singletary had a pretty solid outing, rarely enough. Um, I think yeah. you can count on Damian Pierce to have, you know, 13 or you know, 12 to 15 touches for 35 yards every game. But every four to 10 yard run is just an absolute hammerhead shark of a run. Um, so he, it's nothing to take away from Damian Pierce. I think he's a solid, you know, 1200 yard back, but they got to get something going over there to get that run game going to release some stress off their rookie. Um, woke boy finally figured out his gender role. It's been activated. It's a male adult in the end zone. <laughs> That dude is on, I think, a three or four game stretch of touchdowns. And, uh, man, you got to hand it to Woke Boy. I mean, you know, Abbott's, you know, thinking about going to Israel to send our Texans over to fight. And he's, his eyes are away from the, from the transgenders. So, I mean, Schultz is just playing lights out now, now that, you know, Abbott <laughs> or Abbott's distracted. Um, yeah. And then to, just to move over to the Saints, dude, they look terrible. They look, oh, yeah. I mean, and I, and I keep saying – I think I've talked about the Saints specifically for three weeks now, so I'm basically Dave Hellman for the Saints. Uh, <laughs> the head coach, Dennis Allen, has yeah. this team playing poorly. Yeah, They're undisciplined. They're sloppy. Their offense has no mojo, no rhythm, no aggression. Um, you know, the play calling is iffy. Derek Carr is playing like the worst Derek Carr I've ever seen in my life. He's an average thrower of the football, you should say. Or I should say, and um, there were some key penalties against the defense in this game that I thought were just. I think there was one on Lattimore in the end zone on Nico Collins. Uh, I mean, Noah Brown was exploding for catches, which you know your defense is fried when this stuff happens. Shows <laughs> um, Noah Brown carrying the the receiving core just shows just shows how bad this was. Yes, exactly. And for a guy like Stroud to be able to get those guys open, you know, props to him because I it didn't look <laughs> like they were very tight windowed throws as we saw from Dak all last year with yeah. the amount of lack of separation we had from our receivers like Brown and, and Schultz. Um, but, you know, towards the end of this game, Derek Carr got in absolute heave mode. I mean, that dude was just yeah. chunking footballs to the pylon the whole game. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not going to get you back in the game. And it, it just looks sloppy. Um, and a quick stat to throw out there. Taysom Hill, one for one, four yards, 83.3 QBR. Derek Carr, 32 of 50, 353 yards, a touchdown interception, 83.17 QBR. So Taysom Hill is a better quarterback than Derek Carr, and they need to replace the two. Um, 
I mean, he's got to – yeah, no. But, yeah, that's kind of my analysis on the on the Saints in, in Texas game. I don't know if you have any quick comments on that or if you catch any of the game. Yeah, um, I, I caught the game. It was just like I, – I don't know. I feel like on my TV I just keep getting the shit games, man. I was yeah. like, this game was on. I'm like, bro, really? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's just sad. The Saints are just kind of sad right now because, like, they get Alvin Kamara back. They absolutely feed him which good for my fantasy team, but, yeah, and it just seems like they didn't get any better. I mean, this is the most uh, just wasted energy team. It seems like, because like, I mean, Derek Carr threw the ball like so much and did so little. And then like same, like, like Alvin Kamara just like sums it up. Like, what does he have? Like since he's returned, he's got to have like 20 catches for like, I don't know, 60 yards. 60 yards, yeah. Yeah, and like <laughs> this this team just embodies like just wasted energy. And so it's just – I did you – you have called out Dennis Allen since day one and you were just like – I mean, just hit the bullseye with it. It's just not working, whatever it is. Yeah, well, it's good to hit the bullseye on something. Uh, yeah. You know, instead of like <laughs> outside of the, the Rooks looks or whatever. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. 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 What's your what what's your take on CJ Stroud? Do you think he he's it? Do you think you know he needs to grow? What what's your take on him? Well, it's pretty shocking. I mean, obviously he's got a pretty good arsenal at receiver, what we found out. And I think that's through Stroud. I don't think that's because they're good. I think Stroud fits their archetypes perfectly. You know, Nico's kind of like that uh deep threat kind of intermediate guy tank Dell's their shifty slot guy you know schultz is a safety blanket um and robert woods is the veteran you know you can count yeah. on in certain t- scenarios and he's got a good running back but the one thing that concerned me was this offensive line that's been banged up and stroud has responded by throwing one pick in six games uh he's playing great i mean he's yeah. efficient in the red zone he looks calm he looks poised like i mentioned before um you know, he's not using his legs too much, which I know that he can. Yeah. You know, I know he can move, and he hasn't shown it yet, which is a really good thing because when he shows it, it'll be twice as effective as if you're like Jalen Hurts this year, escaping the pocket after two seconds and throwing it on the sideline every play. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, props to Stroud. I mean, I give – I mean, his overall grade, I would give him through, you know, six weeks would be a B-plus for a rookie Absolutely. close to an A. Um, and I only see him – I mean, currently – He's playing like a top 10, 12 quarterback right now. He's Absolutely. playing that way. Not that he is one, but this year. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? I'm I'm assuming you like the guy. Huh. I mean, it just seems like he's checked all the boxes, man. I mean, you know, you saw what this receiving core was last year. I mean, they added – I mean, we know who Noah Brown is, and they added Tank Dell and Dalton Schultz. Like, they didn't just add – like, they added a rookie, and then they added two people that – we've seen how more or less they aren't as explosive and number ones as you, as you could say. And it just like, it seems like no excuse, bad O-line, good O-line, no running back, running back. Like he just makes plays. He just goes out there and and plays. And um, it just seems like, seems like he, he is that quarterback, that exception from Ohio state that has just turned out to be it. And it's funny that you mentioned like, him about not using his legs is because pretty sure it was either one of the games throughout his final year at Ohio State he mentioned like hey I don't he's like I can run the ball he was like but I don't want to right. and he was like I want to prove that I can throw and I'm gonna throw 
And uh, I thought that was pretty cool him to say. And then like being like, hey, I'm not going to use my legs instead of an emergency. And, you know, he hadn't had to use them yet. And it seems like, you know, he can he can do whatever he needs to do as a quarterback. Um, and it just seems crazy how the step up from last year to this year, even with a rookie quarterback, how much better the offense is. And just, I mean, the, te- the Texans are a, they're a sneaky team, dude. A sneaky yeah. team. And I think the quarterback kind of embodies that. He's a sneaky good quarterback. You just don't think about it because it's the Texans. And then you look at him and he's got seven or eight t- touchdowns, 1,500 yards, like decent completion percentage. And I mean, he doesn't have a Diggs or a, or Keenan Allen or a, or a Hill or a Lamb. Like he's got Nico Collins. You wouldn't yeah. know about him until the year started because you didn't know about him last year. And so uh, I, I agree with you. I think he's B, B to A range right now. Yeah. Now let's move on into the Eagles versus the Jets. Nice. So I'll be covering these two games. So Jets versus Eagles, Lions versus Bucks. Uh, I just like to say, uh, called it on this game. Uh, I called the Jets to beat the Eagles and kind of what Ryan's preached and what I've kind of bought into is, you know, they are just absolutely pushing the envelope of Jalen Hurts has to throw the ball. Um, if you just look at the stat sheets, you know, I'm pulling it up right now. Jalen Hurts threw the ball 45 times. I'm sorry. Yeah. Most of the time, that's not going to happen. Like, that, you're not going to win like that. Um, and so I just think they they are so quick to leave their identity and kind of prove a point. And I think Jalen Hurts is very similar to Dak, that if he's having to throw the ball, 35, 40 plus times, that's not what you want to do. And it's not because he can't. It's just that that's not the winning formula. And that's the problem that I think everybody runs into is like, oh, you're calling Jalen Hurts a bad passer. No. But do you want to be a a great thrower of the football, throwing it 50 times a game or win the game? Throwing it it 30 times a game. I would hope you would pick win the game. And so that's just kind of what I saw. And – you know, it, it's shown that the Jets, if you haul off and just want to throw it deep or, or make Never some worked. bad throws, like it's not working. And I know two of them were picked, but obviously nobody keeps track of that unless uh, – or everybody keeps track of it unless you're Dak Prescott. And then, you know, none of them were picked, and they were basically handed to the defensive backs. And so right, exactly. um, I will say his last pick was very bad. Um, that ended up costing him the game. Um but just to touch touch on the two teams, Jets defense is still good. Team's still good. Um, I think with the quarterback they have now, and it's going to sound kind of contradictory to some of the other quarterbacks we talked about, I think he just play needs to play to not lose a game. Okay, If you don't screw up, I think it's very similar to like when Cooper Rush played for the Cowboys. Don't screw up. High percentage throws. We don't need you to just go nuts on us all the time. Be smart with the football. And yeah, if you know it opens up, swing it. But it just seems like that defense is going to win them games. Wilson, we just need you not to lose games. And so I think I kind of touched on it earlier with the Eagles. I think they they lose track of their identity and run the football, and not just running it with the running backs. Jalen Hurts can obviously run the football very well. He can control where the defense tries to scheme them, and you know if they scheme wrong and he gets room to run, he can beat you quick. And so I think they lose that identity um, and they're, they're forcing the passing agenda, like the RPO 
and that kind of offense and and those techniques, they run it perfectly, and it seems like they get away from it so quickly. Yeah. Um, and then my last point is A.J. Brown is still a dog. I think <laughs> I've talked about the Eagles like the last four weeks, and A.J. Brown just keeps putting up these ridiculous numbers. Um, that's kind of my take on that game. Uh, I called it a little uh, – I guess you'd call it a trap game, but I'm pretty sure the Jets are 4-2. and two. Um, And so – uh, I mean, they're not a bad team, and they've yeah. won a couple now with Zach Wilson. So um, what are your takes on it? What do you think about the Eagles and the Jets? Yeah, it's just two or three quick points. You know, you hit it on the nail with them being a different ball ball club with Brees Hall in the mix off a of snap count. You know, even though he didn't, he wasn't affected on the ground, he was very effective through the air. Um, and, of course, whenever you get Garrett Wilson involved, great things happen. And like you said, if you're Zach Wilson, try not to make a mistake, you know, like a stupid, you know, be – be conservative. I think Jets would be really happy if you were holding back on those dicey throws, but you were taking deep shots when they were, you know, you got the protection necessary and you get your look. Um, and then, of course, with Jalen Hurts, it's let's do a little sports science here. His arm talent does not complement with throwing the ball 45 times a game. It just doesn't. You know, having – Dak throw, who doesn't have the most rocket arm in the league, throw 50 times a game makes zero sense. It's not like you said, it's a perfect way to put it. It's not the winning formula. But if you have Dak throwing 30 times a game, you know, hey, you probably ran the ball good, game management, um, very efficient, no mistakes, probably win the game. Um, and then of course, guys like the gunslingers is my final point. Those gunslingers, they can throw it many times as they want because that's their identity, that's their winning formula, like Josh Allen. But either he's cooking or he's not. Like we saw against the Giants. But yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, good points. Good points. Um, definitely. Definitely. I think it's uh, you hit it on the head with like, hey, take your shots, but like, you know, don't force it. You got single coverage and it's Garrett Wilson on a guy. Yeah. Take that shot. Nobody's going to be mad at yeah. that. Um, but I think you you hit it perfectly. Uh, but next, we'll lead into the Lions versus Bucks. Um I called the winner, but not the game. Uh, I thought this is definitely going to be a better game than this. This game kind of sucked. Uh, yeah. And I don't know, hot take, not hot take right here, but I have golf written down this year. He's playing like a top 10 QB. Like he's playing kind of out of his mind. You know, he's got, whether he's got uh, St. Brown, uh, whether he's got uh, Laporta in there healthy or anything like that. Um, he's looked good and he's really played like a top 10 quarterback. And if he keeps it up, um, it's, it's crazy. Cause you know, he's kind of, you know, you know, all, uh, what is the toy story? Woody, you know, I don't want to play with you anymore kind of <laughs> thing. And was thrown over to the lions and kind of, you know, played on a bad team and they've gotten better and he's gotten a weapon or two. And he looks like Jared Goff when the, when the Rams were good. Um, and so I think, I think that was kind of my biggest takeaway on this is like Jared, Jared Goff, he's, he's good. That's a good QB. Um, on the contrary, Baker was bad. Uh, yeah. And I think he came out and said it to the media. He's like, Hey, we played like shit. Uh, I played like shit. The whole team looked like shit or something <laughs> like that. And I was like, well, uh, you're right. And so it was a Thank 20 to six win. Yeah, it was a 20 to six win. Um, Lions. Uh, I was impressed by the Lions defense. I didn't think they were going to be as well. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is, you know, he's, he's a baller. Uh, he seems very, you know, per se, Bo Bosa, Watt, 
you know, Parsons type to where like it seems like when they need somebody to make a play, he's like, all right, let's go. And he makes it. Um, he's a dog. He's an yeah. absolute dog. Yeah. And he just seems to be just an absolute disruptor, especially in like the passing game, you know, third and long. It's like, hey, you've got somebody chipping, chip blocking him. He gets past it. You got two people doubling him. He's crashing them, bull rushing them down. Um, you need a swing route, somebody to go chase somebody down. Seems like he's doing it. He seems like the real deal. Um, yeah. And it's just funny seeing someone like that play for Dan Campbell because, you know, they probably get into wrestling matches in the locker room or something like that just because they're a bunch of weirdos and whatnot. But I want said, everybody to line up, okay? Yeah. Everybody line up. Who gets the game? Who gets the game snuck? Okay, I got a skull yeah. right here, and we're gonna see who can swallow the most skull. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a Liver King vibe in there, eating you know straight hearts and bones and drinking bone marrow for fun or something like that. So, uh, but uh, another note: Hey, Lions, I did not call this five and one. I think uh-huh. if we go back to the beginning, I said the Lions are gonna win against the Chiefs and then roll off five losses. And then <laughs> we're like, how did the Chiefs lose to the Lions? Yeah. Well, I was wrong there. So where where Jacob, where the med guy was wrong, um, was right there. And they, they look good. They're a top team. Uh, I'll say a little bit more about them later in the pod. Um, but they're, they're something nice. So oh, yeah. what, do you, what do you have on this game? Yeah, uh, I'm proud of the Lions. Good for them. I'm a fan of what they're doing down there. They got a bunch of hard-nosed football players. You know, they even through injuries with J- like Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I believe Amonra St. Brown was banged up last week and could have possibly been banged up this week. I can't remember. Sorry if I'm wrong on that. Um, but, you know, they've been – Jared Goff, I've been saying this since the beginning of last year. He's a great quarterback. Good to great quarterback. Uh-oh. Yeah, I get a little ahead of myself there, but I like the guy whose name is Jared. But um, yeah, I mean the guy has just been efficient ever since he left the Rams. And you look, I mean, if you're if you're a rookie stack guy, you're looking at stats side by side with Stafford and Goff and saying Goff is better. I understand why the Rams traded for for Stafford, but the Lions did not lose that trade. You know, they really got a a fantastic franchise quarterback. And I see him staying there for a long time. Um, and of course this defense is coming to its own despite injuries at the beginning of the year. Um, yeah. So yeah, five and one, huh? Um, oh. Let's see if the, the Bucks can maybe bounce back. I mean, the, the NFC South is wide open. No, oh, yeah. That, that division's <laughs> booty, booty yeah. cheeks, man. They suck. Yeah. And it, it's kind of funny. It seems like you're covering the Lions this year, and I'm covering the Saints. It just seems to keep coming up. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. yeah, absolutely. Now get us over to this next shit game: the the 49ers versus the Browns. This might be the worst uniform color clash I have ever seen. When I watched this on my screen, I was like, "Yo, something's got it." Like, there's not there's not like a white jersey. I guess that sounds bad. They're not like a white jersey or like a mix of something. It's like, hey, we're going to go with our our primary colors, red and gold, orange and black. And it was like not just – it oh, was yeah. not a good scheme. I was like, oh, this sucks, dude. Yeah, the color combo looked like Roger Goodell flew the Goodyear blimp over the top of the stadium <laughs> and had a Taco Bell shit all over the stadium. Yeah, and, dude. And that, yeah, and it was spread out diarrhea, which made all the, you know, 11 on 11 – 
players go out there. I mean, all the covers, red, gold, brown, and white. You know, you ate some type of onion cheeseburger from McDonald's, yeah. and those are the uniform combinations you get. Um, but, you know, on, on the contrary, uh, besides shitting uh, – rain shitting from the sky, uh, <laughs> this game had God written all over it. Uh, Purdy, the Christ-loving athlete, versus the Cleveland convicts. Um, only God saved Purdy for what looked like to be a game-winning field goal until, in my opinion, Moody announced to his teammates prior to the snap that he was pro-Palestine, and he missed the field goal. So, Moody, shame on you, uh, you mother effer. You know, um, 49ers, they were without, obviously – you know, Christian McCaffrey, Debo, Trent Williams, and that translated into Brock Purdy struggling, um, which proves that their identity, which it's always been, and I'm, which is why we are, we are ahead of the curve once again with Brock Purdy, um, <laughs> is that their identity is run first and that their pass comes through the run and that they're even their routes in come from the running game. They're just hybrid. It's just a hybridity scheme. Uh, but we're not going to see much of Purdy getting this kind of performance because he's probably he, their, their roster so stacked. He's he's pretty much protected. But what people are forgetting is that, well, I guess what they seem to be missing, I guess, is Deshaun Watson and and Nick Chubb weren't in this game, and you lost to PJ Walker. PJ Walker, the XFL, XFL stud, right? Like, and I thought it was. Uh, Taylor Heineke that was the XFL stud. Well, I was wrong. I forgot that the NFL has a chosen race, and P.J. Walker went out there and shat all over the 49ers. So props to him, outstanding performance. And what I mean by that is not to say that he played incredible, but he did what he needed to do, which is the only way to beat the 49ers defense is take what they give you, which isn't much. And, hey, 19 points, you know, you scratch a dub 19 to 17 here. With even if they get this field goal, it's an outstanding defensive performance by the by the Cleveland Browns, and it's legit. Um, it's a top ten defense, and I think it's a lot like the Lions. You know, they're not going to be a top five defense, but week to week, they're going to or throughout the whole season, they're going to contain a top ten ranking. Um, and then and then the last couple uh, touches on the uh, the Browns is Amari Cooper. He continues to remind us Cowboys fans how much we how much we and Dak miss him. Dak played his best ball with Amari Cooper. Yeah. Um he had a fantastic game and showed us why he's one of the best route runners in the league when he gets the ball in his hands. And according to reports, the rapist is returning this week for week seven. So we'll see yeah. if Sean Watson comes back and or if he lost his draw job to PJ Walker. But any yeah. quick comments and then we'll get into our Sunday night football recap and predictions. Um, the only quick things I have to say is uh, the Browns averaged almost five yards a carry against that stellar defense with Jerome Ford and Kareem off the street hunt. Um, <laughs> and then Amari Cooper had a had a crazy good game. But where did they attack the 49ers defense on the boundaries and deep? They probably so, learned from us. Yeah, they probably watched and were like, hey, don't throw it over the middle. Probably won't work too well. And, you know, they came out with a win. Uh, but, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like, man, you take all the weapons away from a quarterback, and what does he become? Average, below average. Crazy. 
So, Mid. yeah. Well, let's let's touch up on the Giants Bills game. I mean, you sarcastically called this game in yeah. the previous <laughs> pod, and we expected what like thirty-five plus points from the Giant. Or, I'm sorry, from the Bills, and what we got was another shit bowl. Um, yeah, type of game with a limited Saquon Barkley, a, a Tyrod Taylor, uh, who didn't play horrible. I don't know. It just was boring. Uh, and to be oh, honest, yeah. I did not watch most of this game, so I don't really want to comment too much on it because I was watching. We were watching the Rangers Astros game, yeah, because uh, we thought that this game was in the bag. So I only caught the last two possessions of the game, to which I would say that. One, yes, it was a penalty before the last play that got him to the one, correct? And then it was let him play. And so I think the refs yeah. did, a, did a, a decent job there. Yes, there was a tug, but you're also – that's that's your play is you're only throwing to one guy. It was like the ten, a Tennessee Titans call. Yeah. Uh, they might as well just let Saquon Barkley throw that ball. It just – I don't know. It's not the best play call. Um and uh, I just I thought the Giants played a decent game, but I think the, I think it spoke even more that the Bills played a shittier one. And maybe it's that Brian Dabble knows how Sean McDermott thinks and was able to contradict uh, Josh Allen's offensive scheme, which is like I've said, is run around the the playground and just chuck the ball thirty five thousand yards, and um, and they usually win ball games like that. But their last point. The Bills are extremely streaky. I would say they're a lot like the Cowboys, where a Cowboys will hit a streak and then they'll look like absolute dog crap one game, and then mm-hmm. they'll remind you the next game how good they are. So whoever the Bills play next week, unless it's a bye, uh, expect them to get routed. Uh, the same thing to Miami a couple weeks back. Yeah. Uh, I watched a little bit of this game. Um, uh Biggest takeaways takeaways I have is that I jokingly we jokingly called a boring game, uh, even though we were like, yeah, they're gonna score, like you said, they're gonna score thirty five, not even close. Um, we jokingly said like, oh, ten to nine Giants, and then it ended up being really close uh, and a terrible game to watch. Uh, three biggest points I have are Giants ta- uh, time management uh, mishaps, I guess miscues. Um, I don't know if you saw that, but before half. Uh, PJ Walker, I don't know what he it's coming uh, out. He, or what, what else? Oh, yeah, Tyrod Taylor. He checked down to a run play with no timeouts left and eight seconds yeah. left on the clock. And it's just like, I mean, you saw, and I kind of have a little bit of respect for Dayball, uh, because you've seen multiple times like he's getting in his players' faces. Like, yeah, I think, I think it kind of shows a lot as a head coach to like, you know, hey, you messed up like letting these people know like what are you doing um because you don't see a lot of coaches just like get after players it's usually a coordinator or an assistant or an analyst or whatever you don't you just don't see the head coach necessarily just just get after a player after messing up um but that happened and then uh there was another uh time management miscue that happened uh towards the end of the game as well um, but yeah, I, it just, they had a chance to win. Uh, they kicked that field goal at halftime, you know, it's, it's 12 to 14 and mm-hmm. you have a chance to win the game, kicking a field goal in the fourth yeah. quarter. Um, and then second point, it just seemed like the bills were kind of sleepwalking 
uh, kind of like they thought they were just going to do whatever they want, and then it didn't happen. Uh, but props to the Giants' defense. They played well enough to keep them in the game and, honestly, well enough to win the game. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of my takeaway from that. And then the third was penalties. Uh, similar to the Cowboys game, there's so many penalties. I think there were 15 for like 140, 150 yards. Um, and so it's just like, that's just, that's a tough scene to, to be a part of is to have, I mean, obviously I get called the penalties when they need to be called, but like you said, it seemed like we're going to call a penalty and get them down to the one and then not call it when they have it happen this way. It's like, can we pick a side? Like, like, cause how it looks right there, it's like, you know, you see how they call it the play before and then they don't call it the second time exactly. when they're in the end zone. And all we talk about is like this call, but you know, you call it in the end zone and then, or you don't call it that first one. And then everybody's talking about like, well, miss call. Like they should be down right. at the one. It's like, it's like the refs just got to figure it out to me. Yeah. It, it just gets, it just gets disheartening to watch a game and know that like, well, here's the refs. Like, you can't right. tell. You can't do this. You can't do that. Helmet to helmet, roughing the quarterback. Like, we saw it in the Dallas game. It was brutal. Yeah. It was. It started to get aggravating. And and that's to the kid's point, is he said, I hate it when the refs have a hand in the game and they, you know, cause an outcome that, uh, like, they have a, a large hand in the bowl, basically, and taking a lot of candy out the basket. You know, because yeah. it's like, uh, like you mentioned with the Cowboys Chargers game and this one, it's just, it gets aggravating. But the main thing for umpires and NFL refs is to stay consistent. If you're going to call a little, uh, a washy wash, you know, ticky tack, the DPI down the field, then you need to call it later in the game as well. Yeah. And because then you're going to get, you're going to get a bunch of complaints. If you're going to call blatant DPIs, or OPIs or whatever, then you need to call blatant DPIs in the second half too. It's just it's all about consistency because you got to set the tone as a ref, just like as a team. Oh, that's the way they're going to call it. Okay, I can't pitch on the outside part of the plate plate right there. What about lower? What about higher? What about towards? The, okay, he likes that spot. Uh, oh, ah, he's not going to call a little. They're going to be calling defensive holding on defensive line this game. Got it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you got to get a read on the refs, and the refs got to recognize that. They got to stick with the tone. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent agree. Let's get into our predictions. Um, predictions for the uh, Sunday night football game. We're just gonna do a little score prediction and why, and then we'll move into uh, the rest of our predictions. Uh, we've got the Dolphins versus the Eagles. Um, I can't remember who's at home or away this game, uh, but I believe I think it's the same as us. I think we play. It might be reversed. I want to say the Jets. I'm sorry, the Eagles, I want to say they're playing in Miami. Uh, it is in Philly. Okay, it's in Philly. Crappy performance versus the Jets. High-powered offense. I think Tua, if he can avoid the pass rush, he can he can expose the secondary. Um, I've got – You want to know the spread? Off. Yeah, yeah. Well, tell me the spread is first. Yeah, it's uh, minus two Philly. All right, well, I might as well go with my other predictions. I've got the Dolphins 25, the Eagles 22. Oh, we're close. Yeah, uh, I kind of agree with you. Um, but it, the Eagles have to control the game, and they can't let this be a shootout. I just don't see that's that's not their way to win. 
and that is the the Dolphins' way to win. Um, yeah. Front seven has to be crazy good. Um, and then Dolphins' point of view is you've got to make Jalen throw it, take away the run game, do whatever you got to do. Uh, and then, I, honestly, at this point, you got to put two over AJ Brown, or else he's going to shred you. Yeah. Um, and so that's that. It just seems like he's been the one kind of safe. Uh, what, what was the what was the word you used for Dalton Schultz? It wasn't safety net. Down. Safety net, but it's you know a safety net for eight catches for 170 yards. It seems like anytime he throws it to him, it's like you know 15 plus yards and whatnot. So. Um, but I've got I've got the Dolphins as well. I've got the Dolphins twenty four, uh, Eagles seventeen. Um, I think it's going to be close, but I think ultimately it's not necessarily the shootout we think about. Because when I think of a shootout, I go straight to like Big Twelve shootout fifty four fifty two, uh, TCU versus Baylor back in the day. And yeah, like a twenty four seventeen game is a pretty decent uh, shootout. Um, and so I think it's going to be close, but I, I don't think the I don't think there's going to be any cover or anything like that. So yeah, and it, the Dolphins can easily blow this one out. Uh, I think the main point he, here is, and it's no knock against the Eagles here for our predictions. I just don't think the Eagles team complements well with the Dolphins scheme. And I think that's yeah. why we kind of both think that the Dolphins might get a dub here. Well, the um, secondary for the Eagles is just ravaged, yes. man, and it's like yeah. I just do not see them covering. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle uh all game and I just I just don't see that happening. Yeah, me neither. All right. Moving on to our next predicted game. We got the Jaguars versus the Saints. We uh, Jags are four and two. Uh Saints are three and three. Of course, I'm covering the Saints. Uh yeah. <laughs> minus guess three. What, guess what I'm covering? The line. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> minus minus three, New Orleans. Uh, I've got the Jaguars 27, Saints 20. I really don't understand why the spread is favored uh, for the Saints here. Uh, but New Orleans does not cover the spread. Saints are poorly coached, like I mentioned before. The offense is struggling to get in the end zone, uh, let alone you know just positive yardage, net yardage in the red zone. Um, and Carr looks extremely average, like I've mentioned. Um, Jags are humming, though. Peterson is scheming and improving this offense, and ETN is elevating their ground game. He's had two incredible fantasy weeks, uh, so expect him to have a, a decent game. I would say more in the air than on the ground, kind of gets you that 13 to 15-point range. I don't think the problems for New Orleans will be solved in three days. That's for sure, because this is a Thursday night football game. Um you just had this back-to-back kind of atrocious performances, and you're going straight into Thursday night football with little preparation against a really good humming Jaguars team. So I think either the Saints somehow fix it, or the Jaguars easily win this game comfortably. Yeah, and the reason the the reason the spread is for the Saints is because Trevor Lawrence dinged his knee up a little bit, and he's questionable. That's, That's right. Gonna be the, that's gonna be the only reason it's for the Saints. Which I don't even know who the backup is for. Is it? Bethard or or whatever. I, I have no clue who the backup is for the for the Jaguars. I'm gonna check on it because I want to know. There yeah, should a, we should have a printed out list of backup quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I cannot remember uh, who the who the backup quarterback is, but I know that's probably. I would assume that's the reason is because they don't know if if Lawrence is going to play yet. Yeah, and that would make more sense, I guess. But. 
uh, like right. Bortles? Is he do? Is he still the? Oh. <laughs> no, he's not part of my team. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, did All you right. find it? Or uh, hey, to... move on to the next game. I'm gonna get it. It's kind of taking a minute. All right, cool. Well, I'll lead us on to the next game. I got Monday Night Football: 49ers Vikings. Uh, the spread is uh, minus seven, San Francisco. Um, biggest takeaway I have for this is uh, it's just going to be depending on who's healthy. I mean, we obviously know that Jed is not healthy for uh, the Vikings, so they're having to roll with Addison and uh, KJ Osborne and whatnot. And then, you know, TJ Hawkinson's going to have to be basically that number one receiver. Um, <laughs> the Vikings, uh, well, I mean, depending on who's healthy for the, for the San Francisco 49ers as well. I mean, they had three huge contributors to their offense get hurt, and it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, you know, Brock Purdy plays if he doesn't have those weapons. Um, and so, you know, CMC got dinged up. Uh, left tackle got dinged up. Tebow got got hit uh, or got, got a shoulder hit pretty good. Uh, and I think they're all questionable this week, so it's going to depend on that big time. Um, biggest takeaways right here is the Vikings kind of have nothing to lose. I think yeah. if they keep mm-hmm. it close and force Purdy to win the game and not let him just game manage and – not mess up. It's going to be an interesting game. Um, it's really hard for me to pick the Vikings uh, because it's prime time cousins again. Uh, yeah. I hate that he has that bad rep, but it's just kind of what it's looked like. Um, and so right now I've got uh, San Francisco 30. Uh, I got the Vikings 24 because I think at this point, the Vikings are just going to keep slinging it. It, it might yeah. be, they might be down 30 in the second quarter, but second, <laughs> but but the second half, you know, you already know Kirk Cousins is going to come out and let that thing eat. Kirk O'Banion. Yeah, he could throw four picks, but he's going to go, you know, 40 for 52 with 400 yards and three or four touchdowns as well. So, yeah, uh, that's kind of what I have on that. You got any takes on that nice Monday night football game? No, I, and I'll get to him in the Rooks looks uh, with one of my uh, stardom sit So, uh, yeah. Be aware for that. But, yeah, I found out the Jaguars' backups are Nathan Rourke and C.J. Beathard. So, C.J. Beathard is is correct, but I'm not sure if he's two or three on the depth chart. Uh, Never heard of that other guy in my life. Nathan Rourke, I believe – I don't want to – I don't believe this is the same guy that had that crazy play against us in the preseason. Uh, I don't know. Is he going to be like some Montana State, like – snuck through like <laughs> i have never heard of that guy before oh it is yeah it's uh i believe he's a canadian football league player former oh, wow uh yes he looked pretty solid a passer and a rusher against dallas he was dropped by the jaguars waived by the jaguars re-signed by the jaguars practice squad and <laughs> he's still on the practice squad apparently so oh, damn. uh so it is bethard he's the emergency quarterback uh, uh gotcha. York is. Um, yeah. All right. So 49ers 30-24. And then what you got for the Lions-Ravens? So next I got the Lions-Ravens. Uh, you know, got the Dirty Birds, the other Dirty Birds, and the, the Jungle Cats. Uh, and <laughs> the spread is uh, minus three Ravens. I really thought that was interesting. I, I really did not expect it to be, to be in favor of the Ravens and whatnot. Uh, I know they've kind of won some games. They've They've played close games outside of like one. I think the, I think the Bengals was a blowout or something earlier in the year when 
uh, Joe Burrow couldn't put his foot flat on the ground. Um, and so I, I think I thought that that really surprised me uh, because there's not really like a big injury. Amon Ross St. Brown is obviously healthy. Laporta is still pretty healthy. Uh, I don't think uh, Jameer Gibbs is that much of a of a game changer, but yeah. who knows? But um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the Lions against the top defense. I don't think they've played one since. I mean, you call it the Chiefs defense has looked pretty decent all year. Um, and so that's the last top-notch defense they've played. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see them against uh, Harbaugh's defense. Uh, another big take is can Lamar's wide receivers catch? Uh, if they can catch, this is going to be a pretty good game. If they cannot, they will lose. Um, I think regardless, this is going to be one of those games where we see vintage Lamar, uh, you know, running around and then, you know, making these just crazy elusive plays and, and getting out of the pocket. And you're just like, well, that's that's where Lamar made his money and stuff like that. I think he's going to kind of let it loose on this, you know, big game between two big uh, or two good teams in the NFL. Um and then last one, I think this is going to be a statement game for golf, too. You know, I talked about him being playing like a top 10 quarterback, kind of making a statement that he is. You know, this is going to be another one against a top, top defense. I know kind of considered the Bucks a top defense, but they they look like doo-doo. Um, granted, the offense didn't complement any of that. But I think it's going to be a big statement game for golf to see, you know, hey, is he, you know, five to eight or is he – you know, nine to 12 in the right. top 10 range, top 10, top 12. Um, but for this game, uh, I've got the Lions. I'm going to go Lions 24. And I don't see Justin Tucker. If they if they bring it within three, it's not going to happen. So I'm going to go 24. I'm going to go weird score, 24-18 Lions. There you go. Yeah. And I actually think – a little differently on this game. I think this defense will do a fantastic job of not allowing Lamar to escape the pocket. I think he'll struggle finding his receivers. I think he'll find a lot of Mark Andrews. And I think this will be a Justin Tucker field goal them to death sort of game. Uh, maybe a touchdown or two. I think 18 is right around the range that I have the Ravens scoring. But I think this is a chance for golf to prove it, like you mentioned. I've got – the Lions 23, the Ravens 16. Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. It's going to be an interesting game. Uh, for some reason, this, it feels like this one's going to end up being a shit game to me. I don't know why. But yeah, it's just it like, just, uh, a lot of Ravens games end up that way. I don't know yeah. why. But uh, the Lions, they don't really care how they win as long as they win. So, yeah. And that's a good thing to have in the NFL. So. All right, moving on to our 325 game of the week. Two and three Chargers versus five and one Chiefs. Spread is minus five and a half for the Kansas City Chiefs. I've got the Chiefs winning this game 26 to 24. Uh, I don't think Kansas City covers the spread. And I think it's kind of funny. I, all of my takes are not covering the spread, so <laughs> truly shattering the script here. Um, but a couple of interesting stuff for you guys, because um, I know you're probably wondering – what their head-to-head matchup is. Uh, the Chargers for the Chiefs, last 10 matchups. So the Chargers are 3-7 and seven against the Chiefs. Uh, most games have been one-possession games from what I found on my research. Uh, game management by Brandon Staley, I think in this game, will demoralize the Chargers late. 
Um, you know, he kind of has – he's the new Jason Garrett. So I really don't think he's going to out-coach Anthony Reed, no matter how crappy Mahomes plays. I think somehow or some way the, the Chargers will do something silly and Andy Reed will come out on top. But uh, Chiefs get some bailout games. Uh, and Taylor Swift shows up. It's a guaranteed dub for Kansas City as well. So, and this is uh, it's either at home in Kansas City or it's in California, which two prime spots for them to showcase her new stupid ass movie. And uh, yeah, whatever. I don't even want to talk about her. But uh, I'm pretty sure I saw a video of you in one of those uh, one of those dance circles at the theater. Wasn't that you? That was The Bachelor. Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but it also if you want to. Uh, have a good time. You can just type in Taylor Swift X Kelsey and Reddit, uh, and they have some cool <laughs> stuff on there. So yeah, Chiefs twenty six, Chargers twenty four. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> that that sounds like it. For some reason, without even looking up any of those stats, that sounds like a Chiefs Chargers game. Like yes, on the head. A lot like last year's. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to bet on it. Uh, all right. The segment our crowd always waits for. Tracking the boys segment. Um, recap of the previous game, obviously, and then we're going into the bye week. But the Cowboys win 20 to 17. Now, I want to apologize to the audience because I have usually I have the video up and ready to go for smoking that pack. So I'm gonna play <laughs> it on my phone because you can hear the audio. So if you're listening, you get the experience. And I'll just kind of see if I can. There you go. Yeah, get this thing going. Uh, you can't hear it. Can't hear this. There you go. All right, let's try it again. Cut back to one. Yeah. Under roost. Smoking that card. You hear a little bit. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I was posted on the Instagram. There we go. Thanks, Ryan, for the uh, for the content. Sorry, guys, <laughs> I didn't have that up and ready to go. I had to shatter the script one, but not this one. That's on me. I'm standing on business here. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh, yeah. I thought when ESPN said stuff that was that was popular, and today it made it non-popular. So they posted yeah, something saying. Saying standing on business, and I was like, "Well, there went standing on business." You know, when like Schefter started gritty in and all that, it was like, "Okay, that shit sucks now." Yeah, when <laughs> Shefty grittied, we knew that racism was not over; it was just not beginning. Yeah, uh, when like Dabo did something, it's just like, "Yeah, get this shit out of here. We're not doing this anymore." <laughs> yeah, the nil. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, sorry about that video, fellas. But all right, twenty to seventeen, Cowboys get the dub on Monday Night Football. Um, we'll start with the offense, translate to the defense, and then we'll flip into Dak on track with the passing chart and our letter grade. Uh, I'll start this one off with some offensive talk here. Um, obviously the elephant in the room, the play calling is still an issue for the Dallas Cowboys. And it's a, it's not a small one. It's a big one. Uh, and I think it has to do with, (laughs) I think it has to do with the predictability and, you know, a lot of these run-run pass scenarios here, very conservative. 
held back. Our average third down during this game was 7.6 yards. And so basically you're asking in those scenarios, Dak, please bail us out. And you're in these for sure passing scenarios where the defense knows exactly what's coming because, well, these dumbasses wouldn't run it three times in a row, would they? So it's very Scott Linehan-ish lately, and and that needs to improve. And it, it's not acceptable, honestly, for the roster that we have. Um, and I'm starting with the negatives. I'll get into the positives. But I don't want to take all the points. Uh, Gallup, he can't get se- separation anymore. I don't know why Dallas intends on throwing him slant routes when his primary physique allows him to make acrobatic plays over the sideline not run slants i believe i believe our slot guy is cd lamb uh so i don't know why that that seems to be coming from the house but three receptions out of 10 targets he was the highest targeted wide receiver out of the out of our wide receiver group which is beyond me even though uh uh cd lamb had a fantastic game and like i mentioned earlier very conservative offense heavily condensed there's no pre-snap motion activity or movement. Uh, very mid game management as well. Um, and the last thing I have to say about the offense is the primary issues revolve around Mike McCarthy for this offense. Uh, the players are honestly executing fairly well. Um, so, yeah, that kind of wraps up most of what I have to say about the offense and I'll, I'll let you, you know, counter with some other opinions that you may have on the offense. And maybe I can come up with finish off with some of the positive uh, analysis of this, of this offense. Yeah, man, I, I agree with you with basically all of that. Uh, thought Dak looked great. He was basically in save me mode. Um, and so uh, I kind of it's kind of a joke like when I when I played baseball my second year at UC Tyler I was the oh shit guy so basically like (laughs) when things were going wrong or about to go wrong or whatever it was like you know Clark get hot blah blah blah. it's like you know bases loaded no outs is like all right get us out of this it's like anytime you went oh shit it was like I was getting hot on the mound and so that's where it felt like last night that Dak was in like oh shit mode due to the lack of, uh, you know, just productive play calling, man. Um, and just not to go into too much of that, because they did play, they did win, and it was a good game. But, I mean, you already spoke on it. It was just, like, everybody from their house was watching, like, what are they doing? Right. Like, you know, the first drive, the middle of the field's open. We're moving deck in and out. We're doing all these things. Uh, oh, second drive, sorry. First drive was terrible. Second drive, it was like, oh, wow, Dak can throw the ball deep down the middle. We can do this. We can run to the left and right of the center and not straight up his ass. And so that was, that just seemed, that just seemed just mind boggling. Like, what are we doing? Um, But that was kind of my my negatives right there. Uh, The play calling on offense just seemed just, it just seemed dumb because it's like, hey, we're doing this thing that works. And then it's like, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to do something else. And uh, it didn't even get conservative to me. It just got uh, just repetitive, like repetitive, uh, unproductive. Like you could be conservative and still be productive. But like you said, like run, run, pass. 
It was just yeah. like, you know, it was one drive. We're going to push the ball on the field. The second drive, it was like, I think we'd rather be on defense. Like, yeah. it, it was <laughs> yeah. very strange. Or it was, okay, run, run, pass. Oh, punt it away. Oh, crap. What the hell is that? Get the drive, get the ball back. Pass, pass, pass. Run, run, run. Screens, uh, quick slants, deep intermediate throws, touchdown. You're like, yeah. Why not do? I just, it just, the identity, a lot like it's been the last three years, just shifts. Yeah. Every drive. And it, it's not good for an offense. Yeah. And it, it's kind of going to my point. Like last week, it's like, you know, you go in with a game plan and like, yeah, this works or this doesn't work. But it was obvious that, that Dak was on last night. And it's okay. like, hey, like he's on. Like even his, like I haven't written down. I don't think he made a bad throw. He might have missed or were a little off. But if you go and look at the tape, like he really wasn't. And yeah. like, he did not have many bad decisions or, or anything last night. It's like, you see that. You got to be like, hey, this dude, like we got to go. Just like if Pollard was getting seven yards a clip or if our old line was just destroying up front and we're just marching down the field, you're not going to sit here and be like, oh, we're going to stop running the ball. No, you're going to hand the damn ball off. You're going to run the damn yeah. ball. And so that's just what I didn't get is like, you could see like, oh, dude, this is working. Oh, it's obvious we can attack the middle of the field. Oh, we can do this. We didn't do it. Um, but to go into other things, uh, CD looked great. Uh, it was awesome to see him run just different routes. Yeah. Uh, middle of the field, outside the field, behind the line of scrimmage, whatever. It, it just shows like he can do that if you let him do it. Um, but if you want him to be slant boy or stop route or or one or or a three a three route tree, then you're gonna see what's gonna happen. It's not gonna be very good. Um I thought I think Tolbert needs to get more reps. I don't know. It seemed like for the last I agree. three games, Gallup looked fine and then it was like he didn't look great at all. Separation was bad, couldn't jump. Uh, you know, it Two like passes. He, yeah, yeah, and it's like you said, it seemed like his skill set is like it's going to be, you know, he's on somebody's head, you know, doing stuff like that or like getting the ball behind the line of scrimmage and running somebody over. Or if it is a slant route, it's going to be like, hey, the dude's playing off, then we're going to hit him on the slant. He's creating no separation. No. So I think Tolbert needs to get more reps, uh, especially if if we're going to – if the route – absolutely consist on getting separation. It just seems like he's got more in the bag than, than Gallup. Gallup uh, thrives in scenarios. He's a boundary receiver who thrives in scenarios where he doesn't have scenario, uh, uh, sorry, separation on the deep ball. Like you said, getting on top of people's helmets, mossing people, toe tapping the sideline. That's his identity. It's not slants catching the ball in the middle of the field. And it, yeah. it, it it's mind boggling that he's that guy that we're using for that. Yeah, and I mean, I think you said the stat like he had ten targets and only three catches. It was like, what are we doing? Well, that goes like, into I wanted to mention earlier uh, was I think he might have finished it like this, but Dak was sixteen of sixteen at some point, throwing it to C.D. Lamb and Cooks, and all of his completions came incompletions came from throwing it to Gallup. Yeah, yeah. At one point, it, it was absolutely like that. It was. I think he had one incompletion to uh, the tight end. The third string tight end, for some reason, was out there to catch pass. Um, 
drop. And then the one to Pollard that he, you could say he might have missed a little bit on that, but he made a good throw. And the rest were Gallup. And it's like, why are we not feeding? Like, they call him the number two. I just don't see how Cooks is not your number two. Like, Cooks has to be your number two. And he showed in this last game, like, he can catch a contested ball. Like, everybody, like, yeah, he's not a monster like CD or Gallup. But, like, dude's not dude's not decrepit. Like, he can make a play. Like, throw the ball up to him. Like, Please. What, what are we doing? Um, but my last two points, uh, I thought the O-line actually looked okay. I know there was a lot of heat. But you got to remember, I mean, the two people rushing right there, uh, were were Bosa and then Khalil Mack. Like those dudes aren't jokes. Like no, I'd say it's very similar to what Dallas has rushing on the other side with D Law and Parsons. You've got right. someone who's, you know, more of a bull rush strength guy. Even though Khalil Mack wasn't always that, he's still really good. I don't think there's any team out there would be like, no, nah, we don't want Khalil Mack. Like, okay, and you have Joey Bosa who is you know more the speed finesse rusher and so with those two coming at you you, i mean you can't expect the line to just hold up all day especially with how much we were having to throw it and how little the run game was effective so uh and then like you said over overcoming bad coaching uh whether it be play calling whether it be time management decision you know even what your face looked like on the sideline like it was just all bad so uh i didn't i didn't like that um but that, that's kind of my segment on on the highlights on the offense. Um, I'll let you get into whatever you want to say positive about the offense, if you want to say positive, uh, and then uh, let you transition into the defense. Yeah, I kind of was mentioning about the, the the positive stuff about the offense was, you know, Dak being, uh, you know, 16 of 16, you know, thrown to uh, Lamb and Cooks, which is a positive sign. Cooks found the end zone, which I thought was great. Dak finally pulled a read option. Um <laughs> on fourth and one in a very clutch moment for about a 20 yard score, which was very, very electric. It set the tone for the game and it made them, you know, respect his running capabilities. And this is the most mobile. And this is kind of, I guess, a hybrid Dak on track take. Uh, This is the most mobile I've seen Dak Prescott play in a long time. And I was so happy to see it because he was cooking. I mean, his mobility and durability in the pocket, it, it really showed, and reminded me, and hopefully others, the kid, that he can do a lot of that stuff in the pocket. But when there's no need to escape the pocket, there's no need to escape the pocket. It's it's called being a veteran. So him being able to showcase that and his athleticism and to move around the pocket, get outside the hashes and make you know incredible great throws on third down. Uh, he's a number three or two quarterback on third down through six weeks this week. Um, so props to Dak on a phenomenal performance and as well as CD Lamb. Uh yeah, to moving on to the defense. Um, I just want to touch on a couple quick points. I really don't have much negative to say about this defense besides the penalties. The penalties were all over the place, and, and I, I don't know if this was just because that was the officiating crew, like we mentioned earlier, with the consistency. They were consistent, uh, a little too consistent, I would say. But uh, it was very aggravating to just watch. I mean, we've seen enough yellow on the Chargers jerseys to see more yellow on our TV screens. Yeah. Uh, we even saw – oh, I cannot say that. Uh, but anyways, 
Um, the secondary <laughs> was was playing. <laughs> oh, you might have known where good. I was going with that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. great. <laughs> God, man, I don't have any fear of being canceled, but I think that was just that would have been no. They far. got no, 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 no. They got to twist that. Oh. Uh, you're fine. That was a good. Good idea. God. Uh, that's hilarious though. I think people can read between the lines there, but (laughs) secondary was playing comfortably off the ball, like five to 10 yards back. Most of the game, it would have felt like keeping receivers in front, playing a bend, don't break mentality. Um, I I thought, I thought I got some comments from about Darren Bland saying that he played really good. I, I disagree. Um, I thought he struggled to guard Keenan Allen, but who doesn't? So yeah. kind of a passive aggressive constructive criticism there. Uh but to the credit to, to the secondary's credit, they made fantastic plays when it counted the most. Um, you know, of course, Stefan Gilmore with the interception at the end of the ball game, Micah Parsons with the sack on the final drive as well. Um, uh, Darren Bland with the diving stop in the end zone, uh, fourth down. Just uh, some critical moments where our critical players made critical plays. Um, yeah, and so that's kind of what I got for – I mean, I, I want to comment on Marquise Bell and uh, I guess the uh, – the what was, it, what was I going to say? Marquise Bell and something about the secondary, but I don't want to take <laughs> away uh, your points because I know you probably have something on Marquise Bell and uh, I'll let you – you know, cover the rest of the defense. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, but I think uh, a lot of things you said, I, I definitely agree with. Again, uh, I have written down defense played good enough to win. Um, I think it was obvious we've we could have had multiple turnovers. Um, there was multiple, even that diving stop in the end zone, like he, you know, it hit both of his hands. I know we did have the Stephon Gilmore. Uh, a pick, but you know, Deron Bland also. Uh, I mean, he dropped a house call. Um, however, I think this was this was a really good game for the defense because it shows like, hey, y'all are still good, even if you don't absolutely dominate an offense. Like, you're not gonna, like, I know Hunter talks about like they go as far as the defense goes, like, not every time you're gonna come out and give up three points. Like, this is a game, and I think. You know, I think Deron Bland in the secondary, depending on how this was schemed, I think they did play very good, depending on how it was schemed. In my mind, I have it written down, I think they played more of a bend-don't-break mentality. What does Kellen Moore's offense do? Run up the scoreboard, run up the scoreboard, tempo, 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 move the ball, tempo, push the ball. Yeah. Saw a lot of that. Now, yeah. there were a couple missed plays by, by Justin Herbert. Um, and there were, you know, a lot of bad, a lot of bad penalties and whatnot. However, it seemed like the Cowboys didn't really give up the big play. I know one was missed, but at the same time, you know, just how you can harp on some quarterbacks, not every quarterback's going to make every throw. Um, and so I think that mentality into these games where these teams have these high flying offenses, and I think it's going to be kind of a tell sign for how a lot of people play the Chargers with this defense, with this offense, is it's going to be more of a bend, don't break. Don't give up the big plays. Make them really work for a touchdown. And I think it's going to end up, you know, just like, 
you know, how the Cowboys did is, you know, they made big stops, um, especially in the red zone. Um, another thing I have to one kind of to your point is timing plays. It seemed like the defense made some real clutch plays in big time situations, right? Yeah. Uh, I know you named a couple of them and those are kind of what I'm thinking of is like when we needed them, they showed up. Okay. It, we didn't need like the Parsons, Parsons sack, uh, the Deron Bland in the end zone, uh, the Stephon Gilmore. We don't need four picks every game and two return for a touchdown, but showing up, making a big plays when you need to. I mean, that's just complimentary football like we talk. Uh, and so I have that written down, timing plays, making the plays when you need to. Yep. It doesn't have to be every time. Um, and then I have uh, Bell and Osa written down as like two of my mm-hmm. players that I think have been kind of hidden from all the other stars we have on the defense. I think Osa Adigizua, or however you say his name, uh, I think he's been great, especially on, um, you know, passing downs up front. I think he's one of those that gets a lot more pressure on passing downs, more so than running downs and whatnot. Uh, but I think he's kind of been an unsung hero up the middle. Bell played out of his mind last night. Um, and, and I think he's going to be that one that steps up in that linebacker spot or hybrid or whatever you want to call his position. Uh, and then lastly, the penalties, that was a joke. Um, the the penalties, I think, were – I think they were like 17 for like 170 yards. Like, that's a joke to me. Yeah. Um, you got to well, change that. Uh, just, you know – and, I mean, it was both ways. I mean, the roughing the passer on Dak was atrocious. Uh, that, that shouldn't have been called. There was no contact. Um, just as the same on the roughing the, roughing the passer or hitting a defenseless – runner or whatever on Herbert. Hurts. I mean, I, I yeah. think it's a joke of a call that you have a guy that's running for and trying to get a first down and can get to that point and just absolutely collapse. You hit his head. Boom. That's penalty. It's like, okay. It's like, what do you, what do you want us to do? Just like front flip tuck roll over him, like and set yeah. the, the other people up for injury. And so now Read their mind. if it's egregious, like obviously you get it, but like, Literally, it's a bang bang play, and you get next to them, and they just absolutely go down. And then all of a sudden, I'm a contact fly. And I think, yeah, I just think the penalties in this game were it doesn't have to be joke. Yeah. Um, and to your point, the five highest graded Cowboys in week six, according to PFF, uh, you mentioned Osa, number one, 92.1 rating. You mentioned Marquise Bell, 91.3. And then, of course, Demarcus Lawrence, the edge oh, player. Yeah. 91.0 followed by Dak at 90 and Michael Parsons at 89.6. Um, yeah, Trash. Marquise Bell, <laughs> terrible. Uh, takeaway is gold cleats, but yeah, yeah uh, Marquise Bell, dude, he's a dog. That dude, he yeah. played. He, I like the guys that haven't been paid yet. Let's just say that those guys <laughs> yeah. that have not gotten their paycheck, they can play all day long, him and John Way. Yeah, um, let's transition into our Dak on track. Um, I'll show you guys our chart for the passing chart. Of course, we've kind of spoken a lot on uh, Dak Prescott so far. There we go. All right. A lot of more intermediate throws and throws over the middle here, but not too, too much. It's not like the 49ers where, you know, your number one linebackers in the NFL are just crowding the middle and we're just chunking the ball at the middle of the field. 
But we worked the right side of the of the pile on of the boundaries this week. And I think that speaks to I think Michael Davis was his name over there on the right side. I think he was playing off ball most of the game. So maybe why those passes got over there. But hey, 21 of 30, 272 yards, touchdown, seven attempts, 40 yards, and a rushing touchdown, and a Parkinson a mother pear tree. You know what I'm saying? Uh hey yo, say that again for the homeboys in the left. Um, but yeah, my letter. <laughs> My letter grade was an A minus. Uh, I thought Dak on third down. Honestly, I don't like saying minus. I'm gonna say A because A minus just sounds negative. But an A. This is highest grade of the year for me. Uh, Dak on third down bailed us out. Overcame the bad play calling. Used his legs in important scenarios. Got Lamb involved and it was extremely mobile in the pocket. So I give him an A uh, for those reasons. Nice. Yeah, I gave him an A minus. Uh... Two reasons he didn't get an A plus is because he took some bad sacks. To be honest, uh, there were a couple plays where like he, he got to get the ball out, and like um, now you could also say that you know dude was in absolute save me mode, right? Um, so his whole mindset it seemed like from essentially the second quarter on was like, all right, well I'm gonna have to win this game, and he went out and did it. Um, and then there was a couple throws you could be ticky tacky and say that. Yeah, they weren't, you know, absolutely perfect, but definitely could have been they, it, you know, they were catchable. None of them were just like bad throws, bad reads, you know, just absolutely missing receivers. Um, so so that was that was good to see. Uh, and it was great to see uh, that kind of bounce back from a from a bad game. I, I saw a tweet that came out that said, you know, whenever it was like basically whenever Dak's been had a game that was at this QB rating or this, whatever he's always responded with like a top notch rating, like above a hundred. Yeah. Um, that's good to see. Uh, last point is Dak can run with a question mark. I didn't know he could do that anymore, but uh, huh? that was, that was crazy to see. Um, you know, I, I think we all kind of jumped out of our seats. I know, I know Hunter likes to say uh, glazed, I think we were all a little glazed when we saw Dak pull that. I don't get you fired up. Then you're a fake ass fan, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah. That that is an electric run. Yeah. Whole time, I mean, yeah, and I mean, just to see him do that is just good to see, uh, and, and encouraging at, at the least. Is that like, yeah. hey, uh, we do have these plays in our playbook, and uh, you know, I know, I know Jerry Jones is probably like, why did he run that damn ball? But it's like. It's like, dude, like he's got to. It may, it just opens up so much more. Um, and then my my last point is, it was just good to see him move around the pocket and move on the run and stuff. It seems like I know we talk about Dak being like five step out, three step out. It was kind of good to see, like, hey, you know. And I'm not, I'm not comparing him to him, but that play to Pollard. You want to talk about glazing? If Patrick Mahomes would have made that play, that would have been all over whatever media you wanted it to be on. And so it was just cool to see plays like that, getting out of the pocket, making the throws, making the plays. Um, and, you know, it, it was good to see good to see Dak bounce back. And, and, you know, this game was carried and managed by Dak, regardless of the play calling, um, yeah. unfortunately. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, it, like you said, it was good to see the playmaking ability come back. Yeah. 
um, yeah. in return, especially in a game following a game like the 49ers, you know, where it was rough. Uh, yeah. So incredible bounce back game from the offense and from, well, from Dak and um, majority of this offense. So let's, uh, okay. So we got the bye week coming up, followed by the Rams um, in week eight. But I wanted to drop a couple of, uh, of, uh, statistics if you will um this is okay. kind of my little miniature uh two minute drill and then i'll drop my i'll let you drop your mama's don't let your cowboys and i'll drop mine and we'll move into our breakdown of your two minute drill um so i did some before i left work i did a little calculating <laughs> of some stats i was i was curious how dak prescott played after a bye week and i did some math here so his record after a bye in his career is five and two. He has 18 total t- total touchdowns in seven games, five interceptions, and his average passer rating is 103.55. Damn. So analytically speaking, I'm expecting a pretty good game from Dak Prescott uh, against the Rams, who we've kind of had their number the last two times that we've, or the last time we played them. And I think the prior time it was in 2018 or something, but uh, we're ready to even the score in Dak's career and get him to two and two, uh, against the Rams and um, two no against Stafford. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, what is your mama's don't let your cowboys be going into the bye week here and any uh key points to success, if you will, uh, for the bye week? Uh, well, I kind of wrote my keys to success for the Rams, um, but. Keys oh, to yeah, success for the the bye week: stay healthy. Uh, that 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 has to you got to finish one and zero against the bye week, and one and zero against the bye week means staying healthy and keeping people healthy and getting healthy people or getting injured people back to healthy. Uh, no. Yeah, uh, you know, boat picture type stuff. Um, <laughs> and so that that's the biggest thing is you can't like you got to work obviously, but you can't get hurt on the bye week. Uh, now we all know that stuff happens, but we come out of the bye week uh, healthy, going to the Rams, everybody's healthy. That that's the only thing you could you could ask for. Um, and my mama's don't let your Cowboys uh, is come out slow from a bye week. Um, I don't really trust McCarthy um, right now, and you know it, it just seems like you know the two games that were important and obviously. Uh, emotional games the last two weeks. The offense has come out and looked like absolute doo-doo on the first drive. Um, and so I just I, – I, you just can't come out and just look lethargic and, and just look very basic and vanilla against uh, the Rams who don't seem like they're anything to play with. Like we talked about, they're good enough to beat some good teams, but if you come out average or bad, they're going to beat you. Um, and so – that, that's kind of what I got to say. Mom, it's not let your Cowboys come out slow from a bye week. Yeah, and to add on to the keys to, to success for the bye week, I figured the medical guy would talk about healing up. Um, yeah. So good on you there. Um, mine is to just to continue to improve this offensive scheme um, and play calling, just continue to work at it. You know, uh, obviously it's a, a point of emphasis. Um, and then Mama's don't your Cowboys avoid – discussing the play calling mediocrity mediocrity 
in the coaches' meetings. That that needs to be addressed. Uh, yeah, can't avoid it. Can't run from it. It is inevitable. Um, it is the Thanos of your week. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that is Mama Zonich Cowboys and our predictions for the bye week. Let's go one and zero this week. Let's get to yeah. the breakdown. Get on track with our two minute drills. Uh, we're gonna miss the kid kids picks this week, and of course, we're finished with the rooks look. So. Let's get your medical analysis two-minute drill uh, presented to you by Cuzzo, the medical guy. Sweet. All right. We got the we got the breakdown, the two-minute drill, medical injury analysis. Uh, plus, we'll have the DB list, the down bad list thrown on the back there. Um, <laughs> first, we got uh, we got Josh Allen ended up on the injury report with a little short, uh, sore shoulder. Um, you know how he kind of plays. He kind of, you know, plays aggressive, runs a lot, can sometimes make some ill-advised decisions as a quarterback. So to see a shoulder banged up for your best player, uh, not not a good look there. Uh, Justin Fields came out as doubtful, uh, said he dislocated his thumb. That's a uh, in my minimal years of being an athletic trainer and being in the field, I've seen all kinds of fingers dislocated. Seen ankles dislocated, knees, whatever, elbows, shoulders. Never seen a thumb. Um, and on that on that throwing hand, that's that's tough because usually with those dislocations, you end up having ligament damage, tearing, bad sprains, stuff like that. So that's something to watch out for for the media's fantasy football quarterback right there. Um, another quarterback, young quarterback, is Anthony Richardson, out with an AC injury. Uh, AC joint injury. Unfortunately, I kind of called this that those aren't fun to play with um, and not fun to throw with either. Uh, it's looking like he's going to be out for the foreseeable future, possibly the whole year. Um, and that, that's just tough to see because he seemed like kind of promising. You know, he didn't play much at Florida, kind of came in here and nobody really know what it, knew what to expect. But like when he was good, he's really good. And he was bad. It was kind of, eh. and it seemed like he turned out like he was a decent quarterback uh, and fun to watch. That's yeah. tough to see. Uh, we kind of mentioned it earlier. Trevor Lawrence questionable on a knee. Um, I didn't didn't really see what happened. Don't really know what happened. They haven't really released any kind of details on on the severity of the injury. But you know, like you said before, Vegas always knows something, and they had the Jags not favorited against the Saints. So you never know. Okay. Uh Vegas always kind of knows something. Always follow the money. So expect what to expect right there. Uh Jimmy G, this was an interesting injury. He came out of the game. Uh they said he had a back injury or a rib injury and then all of a sudden he had to be taken to the hospital. Uh only reason for you would do that is if you were worried about internal organs. If you mess up, you know, if you get hard hit hit hard in the back or whatever pause you know it's <laughs> up those kidneys you know you have to be you have to be taken to the hospital or if it's a rib injury and something breaks you don't want like a punctured lung or any other punctured punctured organ so that's why you have to go to the hospital still pretty scary i know we're joking about it but that's pretty scary having to send somebody to the hospital um cmc chris mccaffrey had a rib oblique injury uh not trying to be negative, but they have ran that guy to the ground already this year for a guy that's always hurt, always had a hamstring, always had, you know, stuff going on. And then for him to have this, uh, it just shows that, like, hey, you know, he's on pace for like 400 touches this year. Uh, it's, that's nuts. So 
Um, hopefully he's all right, uh, but still tough look. Uh, we got Debo Samuel, uh, as some would call him a running back, but he also plays wide receiver. Uh, had a shoulder injury come up. He's questionable. Ryan Tannehill actually came out, and it looks like uh, he's going to be out for a while. Uh, not that that was anybody who's Ooh. a fantasy quarterback, Jeez. but, uh, you know, that that's tough to see. Uh, and it looks like they're not going to play Will Levis either. So that's real tough to see. <laughs> so, uh, and that's my last one. Um, now, to the DB list. <laughs> it's not really a person, but if we've watched in the last six weeks of of whether it be football or baseball or whatever you got going on, you know, when, when's the last time you've been to a game, Jared, whether it be football or baseball? 2021. Oh, baseball? Either uh, or. Just let's just say 2021 in the AT&T Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. How much money was that ticket? Like $300. $300. You get a, you get a couple beers, a couple drinks or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, you had to drive there. That's in yeah. Dallas. You know, you're spending all this money. You're, you're half a band. A, yeah, you're spending a lot of money, right? Right. Why would you spend all this money and then go in there and fight another human being? Okay? <laughs> so my DB list are fans who fight at games. Okay? I think it's thing the to do. stupidest thing. It makes you look bad. It makes, you know, the, I mean, you're probably wearing a team jersey. It makes a team look trashy, um, you know, just white trash, trailer trash type stuff fighting at the game after you spent all this money. And then you're going to have to be escorted out. You know, like I tell, you know, students in my program, it's like, hey, it's all fun and games in high school, but we're adults now. Like you get in a fight, it ain't no like, oh, you got to go to the principal's office. Blah, blah, blah. No, you go to jail. And I think it's the stupidest thing. And we saw a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago where a fan actually died from injuries sustained while fighting at a game. And I would be honest, it ain't ever that serious, bro. Like it ain't ever that serious to get in a fight over a media driven entertainment product. Cause that's what these sports are. It's entertainment. And for people to get in fights over that, I just think that's the, the stupidest damn thing I've ever seen, man. No, I agree. You know, all this money, you have a good time with your boys or your parents or or whatever, and you're wanting to see your team win, and then you got, you know, jackasses over here just throwing, just you know, freaking Miller Jake Light Paul versus for Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson over here in the ring, like like get out of here. So yeah. that's my DB list down bad. I saw another video come out today. Just DB DB list fans who fight at games. Just atrocious look to me. Yeah, I, no, ain't nobody wants to be the guy that gets Bud Light cans, uh, you know, <laughs> crunched and thrown at you all the time. Uh, yeah. But no, yeah, in all serious, it, it honestly reminds me of uh, I think of Gladiator. Whenever I see this crap, because it's like Roman Empire, you know, doing all this circus acts and gladiator shows and all that just to keep like the populace distracted on entertainment and then yeah. you just got all these basically degenerates going out there and and throwing haymakers at one another over a football game a regular season football game where there's a season every year where it has no effect on their lives and you know you bought the ticket and you get kicked out and go to jail that's another couple thousand dollar bond or whatever for public intoxication and 
and whatever it may be. So it's just it's just foolishness. Absolutely. Yeah, I condemn it. Bozo. Just bozo look. I'm just gonna say it. I condemn <laughs> fighting at games. Yeah, there you go. I'm glad to have I'm glad to have your support, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure America is too. Um yeah. that wraps up <laughs> my two minute drill. All right, good deal. Solid, always informational. Let's get into the Rooks looks, uh, stardom, sit them. I should call them the sit them stardoms because whenever I tell yeah. you to start, you should sit. Whenever you should, I tell you to sit, you should start. Um, yeah. Here's a little recap. A little better this week, uh, but definitely <laughs> not what I'm looking for. Recap from week six. I told everybody to start Jacoby Myers, um, the wide receiver for Las Vegas. That's a green bean. 17.1 PPR points, seven targets, five receptions, 61 yards, and a touchdown. So not too bad there. Jimmy G's guy. Uh, I told everybody to start Josh Downs, a wide receiver from Indianapolis. I would call this someone a green bean. Um, yeah. He got the volume. He didn't get the yardage, but he did get in the end zone. 13.1 PPR points, five receptions, 21 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, not too bad there. And then – this was a tricky one, but I took the risk. I told everybody to sit uh, Drake London, wide receiver in Atlanta. Um, Desmond Ritter just decided that he still plays at Cincinnati. Uh, 21.5 PPR points, 12 targets, nine receptions, 125 yards. I'm convinced. I've always been convinced with Drake London. I've never been convinced with Ritter. I'm still kind of skeptical on this, on this uh, Atlanta team. But PFF tells you that uh, Ritter is a, wa a waiver wire target coming into this next game. Um, believe him or not, I really don't care. But I do like yeah. Drake London. Uh, I told everybody to sit Amari Cooper um, just because of backup quarterback San Francisco. Yeah. It just didn't look very likely. But the dude, 14.08 PPR points, eight targets, four receptions, 108 yards. Yeah. Uh, listen, if, if, if y'all would have started him after I told you to sit him and then all of a sudden, like all three of you, uh, and then yeah. all of a sudden he gets one catch for eight yards on like eight targets, then you would have been like, damn, he was right. But out of eight <laughs> targets, he caught half of them. One of them happened to be a double move. So, you know, hell yeah. Omari Cooper, get your bag, son. Uh, yeah. sleeper, this one kind of unfortunate. Cole Komet tied in Chicago. Justin Fields got hurt around the second quarter, so he had two receptions, two nine yards, 2.9 PPR points. Luckily, I don't think a lot of people started him. Um, so anyway, per usual, it's a new week, week yeah. seven. Um, we'll start with the starts, of course. Uh, stardom <laughs> Christian Watson, Green Bay wide receiver. Um, we're getting a lot of Christians in this one, by the way. Um, oh. Denver secondary, uh, that he's going against, uh, is off a of bye week, should be finally healthy. Uh, so I expect a big game from Christian Watson. Maybe he finds the end zone. Start Christian Kirk, Jacksonville wide receiver. Now, this guy has been very, very consistent as the season has gone on. Um, and they're playing this Thursday night, however, they warning. To everyone, they are they they might not have Trevor Lawrence. They might have C.J. Beathard. However, to contradict that point, play with it how you want. Pause. But Pause. I, yeah. the Saints are a man-to-man -man coverage defense, which Christian Kirk truly, truly thought thrives on. 
He's been yep. doing it for a long time. So he's a high-end wide receiver too, but I'd, I'd move him down to a flex play, high risk, high reward. Um, yeah. Sit Kirk Cousins, um, Minnesota quarterback, obviously. This is an angry San Francisco team that just yeah. lost to the Cleveland Browns. Um, they're also playing on primetime, which this is what I wanted to get into when you mentioned Kirk in primetime earlier at the beginning of the pod. And of course, no Justin Jefferson. Um, yeah. I just, I don't, I don't see good things here. This is cards are stacked against Kirk Cousins uh, heavily. Um, and then I sit James Cook, Buffalo running back. Um, look, something fishy's going on there in Buffalo uh, with Latavius Murray getting 50 something percent of the snaps this week, uh, over 12 touches. They worked out Leonard Fournette as well after the game. Uh, of course, he had negative four yards two weeks ago. Um, not a crazy performance this week. Um, I'm not sure what's going on here. I would, I would rest him if you can. Of course, if you have to start them, you can start them. But I would rest them if you can. I'm not sure what they're doing. Yeah, uh, it's. I looked at that too. That was very strange. Like I was like, yeah. man, James Cook didn't really do anything. And then like all of a sudden I was right. like, where did Latavius Murray come from? Like right. last night I thought he was on the Ravens. And then, yep. Yeah, exactly. And, and like what the analyst said a couple weeks ago in his uh, two-minute drill, was that he was a number three rusher, I think, after four weeks. So, yeah. and, and all of a sudden it turned to five carries and less than 50% of the snaps. And so I'm not sure what's going on, but they finally had a run game and they just, they backed out, I guess. But, uh, and then our sleeper this week is Kareem Hunt, Cleveland running back. Um, he had increased usage last week. Uh, if you're low on running backs, I think you can take a chance here and just get that high risk, high reward uh solid performance versus the 49ers of all people his snap percentage has steadily increased as he's joined the roster i really don't think jerome ford is going to be i think it's going to be kind of a hot hand sort of a cleveland browns offense yeah but i do think kareem hunt's probably the the better back when it comes to passing game uh ppr leagues so yeah and then of course we got my favorite this is our heave of the week uh, and this one is a special edition, um, because it's anti heap of the week. Here we go. And hopefully my mic doesn't cut out this time. Yeah, you might have to go sit on the bed and do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to back up a little bit when I do it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Here we go. Pause. This is Jalen Hurts' intercepts. Let's give you all a little play by play here. Yeah. Guess the play by play. All right. Here we go. Let's go, let's go. Eagles backed up at their own 45-yard line. Doubles to the bottom and top of your screen. Kenneth Gainwell in the backfield. It's third and nine. 14-12 ball game with at the two-minute warning here in the fourth quarter. At the 46. Hurts facing a four-man wow. rush over the middle. It's intercepted. Picked off by back. Tony Adams. Adams. on the run. Breaking tackles. Tossed down the inside, the, inside 10. the 10. The practice squad quarterback gets the best of Jalen Hurts for his third interception of the game for your anti of the week. Hopefully, I didn't get it out that time. So, your heave didn't, but the part leading up to it kind of cut off, and then it came back when you went. <laughs> so, okay, like, so, I think what it is is the volume on the Twitter. 
profile. Yeah, yeah. It's that's, like that's my guess. you could hear like the very beginning, like your play by play, and then like when their play by play started, it was like it kind of went out and then it came back right when you said heave. And I was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God, man. Oh my god. Okay, next time, no volume. Sorry, I don't like technology very much. If I had a, a room, I'd I'd be like, play that and then let me talk. But yeah, you know, we're, we're all electricity here and on one screen with four different screens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> Bad B, I'm gonna be on the DB list next week, brother. Oh, um, okay. NFL top ten power rankings for week seven. I'll let you go first. All right, let's start <laughs> with our top 38 teams in the NFL. At number 38, we have, as you predicted, the San Francisco 49ers because they were in my top 10 and they ended up losing. So uh, some could say you could put them on the DB list, right? Um, so obviously all jokes, but uh, yeah, we're going to go with the drastic take there. We're going to go with a little honorable mention. The TJC Apaches, uh, Go Apaches, um, they won this past week against Blinn Buccaneers. Uh, took them to the woodshed. Uh, yeah, kind of let them, kind of let them know. Good win, good back on track for them. Um, next, we're gonna skip all the way down to number ten, and we've got uh, the Zach, the Zach Wilson, uh, Milf Hunter. Uh, Jets. We got the Jets, okay? You know, they're, they're a team that when the Cowboys beat the shit out of them, they sucked ass, but when everybody else plays them, it's like, oh, they're a good team. So I would we've put them in the Every quarterback we've played so far. Per yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Salah uh, doesn't. Doesn't Someone know what he's talking about. Uh, I can't say that he knows what he's talking about. But uh, it was it was just a dumbass quote. Um, at number nine, we have uh, the Cleveland Toilet Bowls. Um, you know they they managed to win a game against the Forty Niners with an XFL stud, uh, no running back, just awful uniform scheme. <laughs> um, nothing to do with how they play, but I still can't get over it. They managed to win that game, and they're actually three and two. I'm gonna have them at number nine. Uh, next we have um, Margot, the the Jacksonville Margot Robbies. We got the uh, Jaguars at number eight with Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, it's gonna be a big deal as if he's missing this game or not. Uh, but they seem like a pretty decent team. Uh, got a lot of good weapons. Quarterback's obviously good. Defense is a little feisty. Got a number eight. Uh, next, we have uh, Baltimore <laughs> Ravens um, <laughs> with Lamar Jackson. Uh, it seems like he's been taking his uh, probiotics this year. No more shit in his pants during the middle of games. Uh, the only people that are shitting their pants are his receivers. Um, so he probably needs to share his, uh, you know, ritual routine with him. That way he can have somebody that can catch the damn ball for him. They learn how to catch the ball. This team could be probably one of the best teams in the NFL, to be honest. Uh, next, we have the Bills, uh, the Josh Allens, the Hero Balls, the Supermans. Uh, even though uh, they played an, an atrocious game against the Giants where they should have lost to Tyrod Taylor and the Brian Dayballs, um, a win's a win. Uh, so – Amen. They're staying in there. Uh, surprisingly, 
to some, maybe not a surprise to others. Uh, we have the Dallas Cowboy Divas uh, as my number 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, number 5 team uh, in the league. I thought that was a good win. I know we talked about that the Cowboys would never get above 6 until they beat a decent team. Now, obviously, the media is – the media is going to tell you that the Chargers suck ass now and are poverty. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, there's going to be all kinds of excuses made, field goal or goalposts moved, different takes about about how the Chargers suck now. But I thought that was a really good game. Um, I thought it was great that the Cowboys won a little differently. It was a closer game. Didn't yeah. have 17 turnovers and, and four, you know, TDs on defense. It was a uh, hey, the Cowboys offense went and won a game, and the defense played pretty well uh, too. Uh, next, we have the Phillies. I know I'm kind of going against my script of kicking teams out that lose, but uh, I really just don't like the 49ers either, and they were number one. Um, and so Philadelphia Eagles are at number four. Uh, you know, they, I mean, even though they played really bad, they still could have won that game. Um, and so I just think they're they're still a good team. Uh, next, and these three honestly could be put in any order. I have the Detroit uh, lover of kneecaps, uh, Lions with Aiden Hutch- Hutchinson, uh, Jared Goff, or as somebody named them on their team in our fantasy league, bitch ass white boy. Uh, <laughs> you know they're at number they're at number three at five and one. They've really been a surprise to me. Uh, let's see if they can keep it up. Um and, and just see how they can go. For fantasy reasons, I have Jared, Jared Goff on my team. Need him to show up. Number two, I got the uh, the Pfizer boy and <laughs> his lover, Taylor Swift, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, I got them at number two. And then uh, <laughs> I got the I got the Miami Dolphins with Tua Tagovailoa, Tua Tagovailoa, or whatever I'll say. <laughs> But I got them at number one with Mike Daniels and his weird weed smoking ass. Uh, you know, <laughs> just knock off uh, vanilla ice looking ass. Just you know, he he just going in on Mike McDaniel. He just looks funny. I don't know if you saw that old video of him on like sixty minutes or whatever when he was like a ball boy, but he just looked like a dweeb. All right, we're uh, gonna dig deep in the archives here because you are the only person I might know that might know this. You're big other guys movie guy. I think Mike McDaniel looks like the nerd at the end who's supposed to put the pension fund through. Yeah, and he's like, I think I'm cool for fun, like the guy that. It's- yeah. Every time I see Mike McDaniel, I think of that. <laughs> Prison food and penis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, dude, that's a phenomenal movie, man. Uh, but yeah, that's my that's my top thirty-five teams in the NFL right here. So, oh yeah, uh, thirty-five, baby. We'll uh, we'll uh, throw it back to you and pause and <laughs> to let you get with it on the uh, on the top ten teams. I was quick. I was quick to react too. All right, go. we're gonna start. <laughs> We're going to start at number 33, uh, the Chargers, um, just behind the Tennessee Volunteers, uh, who beat the Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, the reason I had the Chargers at 33 is because of what you said. 
uh, they're horrible now that we've beat them. So <laughs> they're the worst football team in the country or in the, in the United States. So they're outside of the, the spectrum of NFL teams. Uh, poverty, still the Dallas Cowboys, uh, because they beat a shitty Chargers team and a horrible yeah. offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore, uh, who was the problem in Dallas. Um, and Kellen Moore was never a good coordinator and he was never going to explode with Justin Herbert. Nobody ever said that. Uh, all right. And then let's flip over to one. I'm going to go. Just, actually, I want to just highlight a couple changes to you guys because mine's been kind of consistent throughout the year. Um, I got a couple drops. Um, 49ers dropped from one to three. Uh, no jokes there. So sorry, but they've one to three. Uh, Eagles dropped uh, from number four to number seven. Uh, and the Bills dropped from number five to number nine. So replacing them is number four five and six number four the dolphins number five mr pfizer and number six the lover of kneecaps in the lions and then of course number eight the pittsburgh steelers um what slash ravens because uh. <laughs> yeah i wanted to i wanted huh. to throw that one out there and wait for somebody to react but <laughs> Uh, yeah, Kenny Pickett and Matt Canada are at number eight with the Ravens because <laughs> the Ravens lost to the Steelers in a yeah. ghetto ass game, uh, and some a gang violence of a game. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then of course, number one and two, number two, the New York Jets they beat the fantastic, phenomenal Eagles, fly, Eagles, fly, <laughs> yeah, into the fucking Pentagon. Uh, welcome to New York. The Jets are the new number two. And number one, we've got the Cleveland Browns who take down the 49ers yeah. in the Meadowlands. Yeah. Um, the one thing I regret is I don't have a lot of R teams in here, so I can't do a lot of the Ravens. Yeah. But they made the top 10. So, yeah, number one, Browns, number two, Jets, number three, 49ers, number four, Dolphins, number five, Chiefs, number six, Lions, number seven, Eagles, number eight, Ravens, number nine, Bills, number 10, Bengals, number 11, Cowboys, number 12, Chargers, number 33, Chargers. That was my number 10 top 10. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into uh, – let's close it out with our records of the week. Um, I'll start this one off, a little quit in time segment here. Uh, the Texas Rangers – are seven and zero in the postseason and are two and zero going into Game Three. I know what your stat is, uh, so I, I don't think we overlapped one each other, one another there. But the actual record of the week here will be the Rangers' postseason record when they blow the next three games in Arlington <laughs> and go zero and three at home. So yeah, so oh, yeah. it's all great one. on it's all great on paper until we go back to our home field advantage. So <laughs> whatever you got for years, I think yeah, I know what it is. So my record of the week is a bad record, depending on who you root for, uh, is the Astros home record uh, this year in the year of, uh, in the year of our Lord, 2023. Um, their home record, if you include playoffs, is 39 and 45. So... They have a losing record at Minute Maid Park. That's nuts. So before the season ended, they so they played three games at Minute Maid in the playoffs. Okay. So they were 39 and 42 in the regular season at home and still won 90 games. 
So you could just imagine how good they were uh, away, and you could take it as a good good thing or a bad thing with the upcoming series. Um, but uh, it, it's just crazy to me that a team that is six games below 500 at home on the year, including playoffs, is in the playoffs. Um, and so uh, that's my that's my track record of the week, good or bad, depending on who you root for. Yeah. So. Well, I root for the <laughs> – all right. Well, that wraps up track 18. Bolt up. Uh, we'll be back next Wednesday per usual. Of course, actually going to be starting a uh, live edition of track on Twitter. Um, so you'll see this episode uh, at 2 p.m. Central at the track pod on Twitter every Wednesday. Uh, of course, you won't get this snippet. Uh, it'll be reduced to under two hours. So we'll usually cut the records of the week out uh, on the Twitter one and fix things up a little bit there. But IG is our primary media. Um, so if you want to follow for memes, attention, uh, updates, anything like that at track.pod or on TikTok at track.unscripted. And you can listen and watch on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or you can go to our link tree in our bio to find us anywhere. I mean, I'm talking like iHeartRadio, Google Play, uh, <laughs> Amazon Music, fucking Pandora, you name it. Uh, AM, FM, you name it. Don't yeah, know, don't know what it. that is, but... <laughs> AM, FM, 740. Uh, you can catch us at the Dosi do off 1488. <laughs> uh, yeah, it ass. But, all right. <laughs> Thank you guys once again for all your support. Go Cowboys. We are four and two headed into the bye. Hell, we might take a bye week. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> just kidding. The grind never stopped. But see y'all next Wednesday. The medical guy, always a pleasure. Um, yep. Go Cowboys. Go Stars. Go Cowboys. Go next Astros. Time. Go ahead. Say what you want to say about the Rangers. Hey, Texas hockey. Yes. Good shout out there. Um, Let's go. Let's go, go Rangers. Good series coming up. Thank you, y'all. Later.